Chapter Two of the Yellow Dove by George Gibbs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tony Oliva. The Undercurrent. They were still discussing the strange story of Sandy's when Lady Heathcote signaled her feminine guests and they retired to the drawing room. Over the coffee, the interest persisted and Lord Kipshaven was not to be denied. If as it seemed probable this german spy was making frequent flights between england and the continent he must have some landing field a hangar a machine shop with supplies of oil and fuel where in this tight little island could a german airman descend with a thousand horsepower machine and not be discovered unless with the connivance of englishmen the thing looked bad if there were englishmen in high places in london who could be bought there were others many others who helped to form the vicious chain which led to germany i tell you i believe we're honeycombed with spies he growled for one that we've caught and imprisoned or shot there are dozens in the very midst of us if this keeps up we'll all of us be suspecting one another how do i know that you sandys you rizzio byfield or even hammersley here isn't a secret agent of the germans what dinner table in england is safe when spies are found in the official family at the war office rizzio smiled we who are about to die salute you he said raising his liquor glass and you lord kipshaven how can we be sure of you by this token said the old man rising and putting his back to the fire that if i even suspected i'd shoot any one of you down here now with as little compunction as i'd kill a dog i'll have my coffee first laughed byfield if you don't mind coffee then coffin said rizzio jolly unpleasant conversation this remarked hammersley makes a chap a bit fidgety fidgety roared the earl we ought to be fidgety with the germans winning east and west and the finest flower of our service already killed in battle we need men and still more men any able-bodied fellow under forty who stays at home and he glanced meaningly at the honorable cyril ought to be put to work mending roads the object of these remarks turned the blank stare of his monocle but made no reply yes i mean you cyril went on the earl steadily your mother was born a prussian i knew her well and i think she learned to thank god that fortune had given her an englishman for a husband but the taint is in you your brother has been wounded at the front his blood is cleansed but what of yours you went to a german university with your prussian kinsman and now openly flaunt your sympathies at a dinner of british patriots speak up how do you stand your friends demand it hammersley turned his cigarette carefully in its long amber holder oh i see lord kipshaven 
he said with a slow smile you're not spoofing a chap are you i was never more earnest in my life how do you stand ha said hammersley with obvious effort i'm british you know and all that sort of thing how can an englishman be anything else silly rot fightin that's what i say that's all i say he finished looking calmly for approval from one to the other smiles from sandys and rizzio met this inadequacy but the earl after glaring at him moodily for a moment uttered a smothered paw and shrugging a shoulder turned to rizzio and sandys who were discussing a recent submarine raid hammersley and byfield sat near each other at the side of the table away from the others there was a moment of silence which hammersley improved by blowing smoke rings toward the ceiling captain byfield watched him a moment and then after a glance in the direction of the earl leaned carelessly on an elbow toward hammersley any shootin at the north he asked hammersley's monocle dropped and the eyes of the two men met yes i'm shootin the day after tomorrow said hammersley quietly byfield looked away and another long moment of silence followed then the honorable cyril after a puff or two took the long amber holder from his mouth removed the cigarette and smudged the ash upon the receiver bally heady cigarettes these of algies don't happen to have any baccy and the papers about you do you byfield well rather replied the captain and he pushed a pouch and a package of cigarette papers along the tablecloth it's a mix of my own i hope you like it hammersley opened the bag and sniffed at its contents good stuff there virginia perique and a bit of turkish what byfield nodded and watched hammersley as he poured out the tobacco rolled the paper and lighted it at the candelabra inhaling luxuriously thanks he sighed jolly good of you and he pushed the pouch back to byfield along the table you must come to scotland some day old chap said the honorable cyril carelessly delighted when the war is over returned byfield quietly not until the war is over awfully glad to have you any time you know awfully glad in case of furlough i'll look you up do said the honorable cyril hammersley's rather bovine gaze passed slowly around the room and just over lord kipshaven's head in the mirror over the mantel it met the dark gaze of john rizzio the fraction of a second it paused there and then he stretched his long legs and rose stifling a yawn let's go in what he said to byfield byfield got up and at the same time there was a movement at the mantel don't be too hard on the chap rizzio was saying in an undertone to kipshaven you're singing the huskazong he's harmless i tell you positively harmless and then as the others moved toward the door come 
lady heathcote won't mind our tobacco hammersley led the way with byfield and rizzio at his heels jacqueline morley had been trying to play the piano but there was no heart in the music until she struck up tipperary when there was a generous chorus in which the men joined hammersley found doris with constance joyliffe in the alcove at his approach lady joyliffe retired handsome no end he murmured to her as he sank beside her handsome is as handsome does cyril she said slowly if you knew what i was thinking of you you wouldn't be so generous what just what everybody is thinking about you that you've got to do something enlist to fight go to france if only as a chauffeur they'd let you do that tomorrow if you'd go chauffeur me not really yes that or something else determinedly why she hesitated a moment and then went on distinctly because i could never marry a man people talked about as people are talking about you not marry the honorable cyril's face for the first time that evening showed an expression of concern not marry me you can't mean that doris i do mean it cyril she said firmly i can't marry you why because to me love is a sacrament love of woman love of country but the last is greater of the two no man who isn't a patriot is fit to be a husband a patriot she broke in before he could protest yes a patriot you're not a patriot that is if you're an englishman i don't know you cyril you puzzle me you're lukewarm day after day you've seen your friends and mine go off in uniform but it doesn't mean anything to you it doesn't mean anything to you that england is in danger and that she needs every man who can be spared at home to go to the front you see them go and the only thing it means to you is that you're losing club mates and sport mates instead of taking the infection of fervor you go to scotland to shoot not germans but dear dear she repeated scathingly but there aren't any germans in scotland at least none that a chap could shoot he said with a smile then go where there are germans to shoot she said impetuously she put her face to her hands a moment oh don't you understand you've got to prove yourself you've got to make people stop speaking of you as i've heard them speak of you tonight here you are in the midst of friends people who know you and like you but what must other people who don't know you so well or care so much as we what must they think and say of your indifference of your openly expressed sympathy with england's enemies even lady betty a kinswoman and one of your truest friends has lost patience with you i had almost said lost confidence in you her voice trailed into silence hammersley was moving the toe of his varnished boot along the border of the obusson rug i'm sorry he said slowly 
awfully sorry sorry are you but what are you going to do about it do he said vaguely i don't know i'm sure i'm no bally use you know wouldn't be any bally use over there make some silly ass mistake probably no end of trouble all around and you're willing to sacrifice the goodwill the affection of your friends the respect of the girl you say you love oh i say doris not that yes i've got to tell you i can't be unfair to myself i can't respect a man who sees others cheerfully carrying his burdens doing his work accepting his hardships in order that he may sleep soundly at home far away from the nightmare of shot and shell you cyril you is it that the love of ease or is it something else something to do with your german kinship the memory of your mother what is it if you still want me cyril it's my right to know what is doris his voice went a little lower yes i want you you might know that then you must tell me he hesitated and peered at the eyeglass in his fingers i think it's because i he paused and then crossed his hands and bowed his head with an air of relinquishment because i think i must be a he almost whispered the word a coward doris mather gazed at him a long moment of mingled dismay and incredulity you she whispered the first sportsman of england a a coward he gave a short mirthless laugh queer isn't it the way a chap feels about such things i always hated the idea of being mangled awfully unpleasant idea that especially in the tummy in india once i saw a chap you a coward doris repeated wide-eyed i don't believe you he bent his head again i i'm afraid you better he said uncertainly she rose still looking at him incredulously another doubt a more dreadful one winging its flight to and fro across her inner vision come she said in a tone she hardly recognized as her own come let us join the others he stood uncertainly and as she started to go you'll let me take you home doris he asked she bent her head and without replying made her way to the group beyond the alcove hammersley stood a moment watching her diminishing back and then a curious expression half of trouble half of resolution came into his eyes then after a quick glance around the curtain he suddenly reached into his trousers pocket took something out and scrutinized it carefully by the light of the lamp he put it back quickly and setting his monocle sauntered forth into the room as he moved to join the group at the piano john rizzio met him in the middle of the room could i have a word with you hammersley he asked happy said the honorable cyril here in the smoking-room if you don't mind hammersley hesitated a moment 
and then swung on his heels and led the way at the smoking-room door from the hallway rizzio paused then quietly drew the heavy curtains behind them hammersley standing by the table followed this action with a kind of bored curiosity aware that rizzio's dark gaze had never once left him since they had entered the room slowly hammersley took his hands from his pockets reached into his waistcoat for his cigarette case and as rizzio approached opened and offered it to him smoke he asked carelessly i don't mind if i do but i've taken a curious liking for the rolled cigarettes ah i thought so he opened the tobacco jar and sniffed at it searched around the articles on the table then how disappointing nothing but algy's dreadful pipes you don't happen to have any rice papers do you hammersley was lighting his own cigarette at the brazier no sorry he replied laconically rizzio leaned beside him against the edge of the table strange i thought i saw you making a cigarette in the dining-room hammersley's face brightened oh yes byfield byfield has the rice papers i'd rather have yours he said quietly the honorable cyril looked up my no chap i thought i told you i hadn't any rizzio smiled amiably then i must have misunderstood you he said politely yes said hammersley and sank into an armchair rizzio did not move and the honorable cyril his head back was already blowing smoke rings rizzio suddenly relaxed with a laugh and put his legs over a small chair near hammersley's and folded his arms along its back do you know hammersley he said with a laugh i sometimes think that as i grow older my hearing is not as good as it used to be perhaps you'll say that i cling to my vanishing youth with a fatuous desperation i do rather silly isn't it because i'm quite forty-five but i've a curiosity even in so small a matter to learn whether things are as bad with me as i think they are now unless you're going to add a few more gray hairs to my head by telling me that i'm losing my sight as well as my hearing you'll gratify my curiosity an idle curiosity if you like but still strangely important to my peace of mind he paused a moment and looked at cyril who was examining him with frank bewilderment i don't think i understand said hammersley politely i'll try to make it clearer something has happened tonight that makes me think that i'm getting either blind or deaf or both to begin with i thought you said you had no cigarette papers if i heard you wrong then the burden of proof rests upon my ears if my eyes are at fault it's high time i consulted a specialist because you know at the table in the dining-room when you were sitting with byfield quite distinctly 
i saw you put a package of ris la croix into your right hand trousers pocket the color as you know is yellow a color to which my optic nerve is peculiarly sensitive he laughed again i know you'd hardly go out of your way to make a misstatement on so small a matter and if you don't mind satisfying a foible of my vanity i wish you'd tell me whether or not i'm mistaken he stopped and looked at hammersley who was regarding him with polite if puzzled tolerance then as if realizing that something was required of him hammersley leaned forward i see rizzio what the deuce is it all about i'm sorry you're getting old and all that sort of thing but i can't help it now can i old chap rizzio's smile slowly faded and his gaze passed hammersley and rested on the brass fender of the fireplace you don't care to tell me he asked what about that package of rice papers byfield has them not that package put in rizzio with a wave of the hand and then leaning forward in a low tone the other hammersley sat upright a moment his hands on the chair arms and then sank back in his chair with a laugh i see i can take a joke as well as the next but uh, what's the answer rizzio rose his graceful figure dominant i don't think that sort of thing will do hammersley his demeanor was perfectly correct his hand wave easy and a well-bred smile flickered at his lips but his tone masked a mystery hammersley rose removing his cigarette with great deliberateness from its holder and throwing it into the fire if there isn't anything else you want to see me about he took a step in the direction of the door one moment please hammersley paused i think we'd better drop subterfuge i know why you were here tonight why byfield was here and perhaps you know now why i am here can't imagine i'm sure said cyril perhaps you can guess when i tell you that this party was of my own choosing that my plans were made with a view to arranging your meeting with captain byfield in a place known to be above suspicion i have been empowered to relieve you of any further responsibility in the matter in question in short of the papers themselves oh i see vanished youth cigarette papers and all that you're going a bit thick rizzio old boy rizzio put a hand into the inside pocket of his evening coat and drew out a card case which he opened under hammersley's eyes look hammersley he whispered maxwell gave me this perhaps you understand now the honorable cyril fixed his eyeglass carefully and stared at the card-case by jove he muttered with sudden interest now you understand said rizzio you whispered hammersley looking at him the languor of a moment before had fallen from him with his dropping monocle yes i now quick the papers 
muttered Rizzio, putting the card case in his pocket. Someone may come at any moment. For a long space of time, Hammersley stood uncertainly peering down at the pattern in the rug. Then he straightened and, crossing the room, put his back to the fireplace. There may be a mistake, he said firmly. I can't risk it. Rizzio stood for a moment, staring at him as though he had not heard correctly. Then he crossed over and faced the other man. You mean that? Hammersley put his hands in his trousers pockets. I fancy so. What are you going to do? What I've been told to do. My orders supersede yours. Hmm, I'm not sure. You can't doubt my credentials. Hardly that. Er, uh, I think I know best, that's all. Rizzio took a pace or two before the fireplace in front of him, his brows tangled, his fingers twitching behind his back. Then he stopped with the air of a man who has reached a decision. You understand what this refusal means? Hammersley shrugged. You realize that it makes you an object of suspicion? Asked the other. How? In doing what was expected of me? Said Hammersley easily. You are expected to give those papers to me. I can't. Rizzio's fine face had gone a shade paler under the glossy black of his hair, and his eyes gleamed dangerously under his shaggy brows. He measured the Honorable Cyril's six feet two against his own, and then turned away. I think I understand, he said slowly. Your action leaves me no other alternative. Hammersley, his hands still deep in his pockets, seemed to be thinking deeply. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Each man according to his lights. You have your orders, I have mine. They seem to conflict. I'm going to carry mine out. If that interferes with carrying out yours, I'm not to blame. It's what happens in the end that matters, he finished significantly. Rizzio thought deeply for a moment. You'll at least let me see them. No, I can't. Why? I have my own reasons. Another pause in which Rizzio gave every appearance of a baffled man. You realize that if I gave the alarm and those papers were found on you, you wouldn't do that. Why not? Because of your card case. That signifies nothing to anyone but you and me. Hammersley smiled. I'll take the risk, Rizzio he said finally. The two men had been so absorbed in their conversation that they had not heard the drawing of the curtains of the door, but a sound made them turn, and there stood Doris Mather. End of chapter 2